Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 137 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is an FCPA update on the ENI-SEC case and the filing of a case against a former Goldman executive charged with FCPA violations. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, Just a preliminary note, make sure everybody's doing okay. I know it's a tough time, really tragic time. Uh, and hope everybody is coping with the pandemic as best as possible and hope all your family members are staying safe and healthy. Before we get started, I also wanted to welcome our new sponsor again, Steel Compliance Solutions. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's Ethics and Compliance Automated Platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements. Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to -to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's Compliance Solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. Well, despite the uh, pandemic and the uh, extraordinary situation that we find ourselves in, uh, I find it pretty interesting that the SEC had time to come out with two FCPA cases. Uh, I'm sure SEC lawyers are working from home. Uh, but nonetheless, we're able to coordinate the approval of a settlement uh, involving the ENI, which requires a review by the SEC itself, the commissioners. Uh, so somehow that was probably done virtually. And they also authorized the filing of a case, a uh, separate FCPA case, which we're going to talk about as well. Nonetheless, I guess this shows that even though that you know we're stuck in this uh, really difficult time, Uh, that uh, FCPA enforcement still is going on, at least from the SEC's perspective. We haven't heard anything from DOJ. Uh, Frankly, I would think DOJ is paying more attention to sort of uh, coronavirus uh, fraud, uh, price gouging, those types of cases that are more prevalent right now. So, uh, but let's at least, uh, you know, review today these two FCPA cases. I think there are uh, some interesting issues uh, posed by each of them. 
uh, and I think it's worth taking, taking a look at them. The first one was, and this just came out last Friday, was ENI, the Italian oil and gas company, uh, agreed to pay the SEC $24.5 million for FCPA violations. Um, and uh, the focus of this enforcement action, and it's really kind of interesting because um, there also was a parallel enforcement action by the Italian prosecutors as well, which I'll talk about. But the focus was between sort of 2007 and 2010, ENI held a 43% minority controlled interest in SIPEM. Uh, and uh, ENI also had American Depository Receipts, ADRs, company sponsored ADRs, which are required in order to fall within the FCPA. And they're listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Just to take a moment, a step backwards, in 2010, ENI's wholly owned subsidiary, uh, Snam Sprogetti, Netherlands, uh, settled FCPA violations with the Justice Department in a deferred prosecution agreement for $250 million and the SEC for $125 million, uh, all arising from the notorious uh, joint venture, uh, the TSKJ, uh, to construct liquefied natu natural gas facilities in Bonnie Island, Nigeria. Uh, Snamprogetti was later merged into Saipan. But nonetheless, in 2010, that was a major enforcement action that year. Um, this, uh, just so you know who E&I is and that they have plenty of experience with the FCPA. But going back to the period of 2007 to 2010, Saipam entered into four sham contracts with a third-party representative to secure contracts from uh, Sonatrack, which is Algeria's state-owned oil company. Uh, Saipam conducted little to no due diligence before entering into the contracts. The intermediary provided no legitimate services. Saipam falsely characterized payments totaling 198 million euros to the third party as brokerage fees, in quotes, in its books and records. These false entries were then consolidated into ENI's financial reports. Saipam's CFO, who was the focus of the prosecution, uh, approved the third party contracts despite knowing that Saipam, Saipam had not conducted appropriate due diligence and then approved the specific payments to the third party, even though he knew that the third party had provided no legitimate services. Saipam's CFO later was promoted to serve as ENI's CFO, so he goes to the parent company, and continued to approve Saipam's payments to the specific third party. Saipam uh, secured seven separate contracts in exchange for the bribery payments made to the Algerian uh, energy officials or their designees. Um, and I mentioned earlier that the uh, SEC's case was moving in parallel with uh, prosecution in Italy. And I think what happened is that case sort of came to a resolution um, and uh, the SEC may have been sort of tired of waiting uh, to resolve this case, so they sort of pushed it along. In, uh, in Italy, for example, there was a criminal prosecution against ENI and various executives. In September of 2018, an Italian court found Saipam, the CFO, who I mentioned, and others guilty of corruption for the payments from Saipam to the third party to Algerian energy officials. ENI, its former CEO, and a senior ENI executive were acquitted at the same trial. 
The court ordered Saipam to forfeit, however, 198 million euros and pay a 400,000 uh, euro fine. On appeal, the court reversed the trial court and acquitted Saipam and the CFO, and this decision is pending further appeal. And I have a feeling that this is what led the SEC to just say, okay, let's resolve our case. Saipam learned about the third party and the important relationship he had with relevant Algerian government officials uh, prior to executing uh, into the contracts. Uh, and they understood that in order to obtain this business, they were going to have to retain this third party. The contracts with the third party listed relevant services that the third party never provided. And indeed, uh, the SEC noted that the third party had no legitimate qualifications to provide services in the complex energy design sector. Uh, for example, the third party had no employees, no offices in Algeria, and only a virtual office in Geneva, Switzerland, with one assistant. Saipam's CFO circumvented uh, Saipam's contracting procedures and approved several of the contracts. The SEC also cited ENI's failure as a minority shareholder in Saipam to exercise good faith to influence to cause Saipam to design and maintain sufficient internal accounting controls. ENI failed to do so because of the CFO's conduct as well as others at Saipam. Uh, for example, Saipam failed to conduct any substantive review of the intermediary contracts uh, that they entered into. For example, the legal department conducted an inadequate review of the contracts and never investigated the intermediary's qualifications, business, or reputation. Saipam's internal audit department conducted a perfunctory review of the contract later and just matched invoices to payment amounts and conducted no further examination or analyses of the relationship. Saipam CFO further ignored contracting controls, falsified information, and backdated documents concerning the intermediary contracts in board notes and approvals. Saipam CFO also failed to secure required approval from a senior manager for one payment until nearly one year after the payment was actually made. Even after being promoted to be the CFO of ENI, the CFO continued his involvement in the third-party contracts and assisted in securing a payment of an invoice by Saipam. The CFO continued, obviously, to conceal Saipam's sham intermediary contracts in doing so. So that's the ENI case, uh, an interesting case. It's worth a read, $24.5 million uh, in terms of a fine uh, or civil penalty. Um, and uh, no indication of any DOJ action. I think that DOJ may not have really even gotten involved in this case or uh, closed their case, closed its case, if they had one. Okay, let's go on. There was also last week the SEC filed charges uh, on an FCPA case against Asante Burko. Uh, and Asante uh, was a former uh, Goldman Sachs executive. He was charged with bribery of foreign government officials in Ghana. Uh, Goldman Sachs, who is under the gun already uh, with the Malaysia 1MDB investigation and looking at a really, uh, you know, allegations are that uh, their resolution there may be $2 billion. Uh, but Goldman Sachs, in this case, discovered and stopped the scheme and then reported it to the government. And Goldman Sachs was not charged with the conduct and apparently cooperated with the investigation. 
The SEC's complaint charged Burka with assisting a client, a Turkish energy company, to pay at least 2.5 million in bribes through a Ghana-based third party uh, to Ghanaian government officials to secure approval of an electric power plant project in Ghana. In addition, Burko arranged payments of $200,000 in bribes to various government officials, and he himself paid more than $60,000 from his own money to members of the Ghanaian uh, parliament and other government officials in order to advance his client's interest in the electric power project. On May 11, 2015, the Turkish Energy Company, that's the client, and the Ghana Ministry of Power signed a power purchase agreement. Eight days later, the Ghanaian intermediary company sent an invoice to the Turkish Energy Company for an additional $1.5 million to be used for bribery payments. Three days later, the, trans the Turkish Energy Company, the client, transferred the $1.5 million to the Ghanaian intermediary company, the third party. On July 17, 2015, the Ghanaian Parliament ratified the power purchase agreement. The intermediary company requested an additional $1.5 million for next crucial steps. Uh, that's in quotes, next crucial steps. Those funds were needed to pay additional bribes to Ghanaian government officials. In early August, the intermediary company, the third party, sent another invoice copying Burko for $250,000 needed to pay bribes. And in October 2015, the Turkish energy company transferred that money to an employee of the intermediary or third party. Burko also assisted the intermediary company in paying smaller bribes to various gov government officials, totaling approximately 210000 These payments were made to uh, Ghanaian government officials who assisted a government official on the project, employees at the Ministry of Power who provide confidential information to the intermediary company, government engineers who assessed the client's technology and their proposal, and other officials responsible for reviewing the project. Burko sought to profit from the bribery scheme uh, in two ways. First, he knew that Goldman Sachs' subsidiary would earn over $10 million uh, in fees if the Turkish energy company won the contract, which would obviously go to Burko's evaluation and per performance review. And second, Burko understood that the Turkish energy company would secretly pay him $2 million for executing the bribery scheme. As alleged by the SEC, Burko also sought to disguise the bribery scheme and avoid detection. Burko conducted the bribery scheme using his personal email rather than his work email. He failed to correct a critical document to uh, Goldman Sachs that falsely stated that the Turkish energy company had not compensated any intermediaries or any government officials in connection with the power plant. Goldman Sachs compliance officials uh, eventually got into this and were the ones who put a stop to this. They reviewed Burke's emails and discovered the involvement of the third party uh, in the project. In other words, uh, Burks, Burks had not put the third party through due diligence nor even disclosed the participation of the third party uh, in the contract. After interviewing Burko about the third party's involvement, they investigated the matter further and questioned the Turkish uh, energy company's executives about the role of the third party in the project. The, the Turkish energy company, the client, the executives, provided incomplete, inaccurate information and failed to disclose the, per, the true purpose of the intermediary company's role in the project. 
eventually Goldman Sachs terminated its role in the project and withdrew from it. So that case was filed in the Eastern District of New York and we'll move forward. Uh, again, kind of interesting that we see the SEC being active in the last uh, week uh, in connection with FCPA enforcement matters. I don't know if this is a sign of uh, a trend of things to come in terms of more actions are going to come out on a regular basis, but if they do, we'll, uh, we'll bring them to you. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening today. We'll get back to you with uh, more coming next week on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. Somewhere down the road away You think of me and wonder where I am these days Maybe somewhere down the road when somebody plays Purple haze Well, it's all